0: Hi, I'm Brett Hickey, Founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. Excited to be here today with Steve Goodman to talk about tips for business owners thinking about succession planning. There's a lot of complexity that goes into succession planning from estate planning, taxes, family, and a whole host of other things, which today we will only scratch the surface on. But we hope you'll leave this episode with some valuable tips and insights to further explore ways to optimize your wealth creation, wealth protection, as well as family and other planning considerations that you have. Star Mountain Capital, as most of you know, is a specialized investment firm focused exclusively on investing in the US lower middle market. We provide debt capital and equity capital to businesses that are established private companies that generally have over 10 million in annual revenues. And we also have a secondary business where we provide early liquidity to investors that are looking to gain liquidity from their investments in lower middle market, private equity, and private credit funds, which is called a secondary business. Across Star Mountain's platform, we have invested in approximately 100 transactions uh, since founding the firm. And my team and I collectively have invested in over 500 businesses across our careers in everything ranging from control, private equity buyouts, through to senior secured loans and everything in between you can think of. And we really try to bring that knowledge, expertise and resources with our 40 person team into private, small and medium sized businesses. And today is another example of that. Uh, Working with experts like Steve that have helped advise hundreds of business owners on succession planning, getting all their ducks in a row. What are things to do? What are things not to do? And how can you really optimize your personal life and your wealth in an encompassing manner? Uh, So without further ado, uh, Steve, thanks again for joining. Uh, Give us a little more about your background and also tell us about your book that you've published on succession planning for business owners.
1: Well, first off, Brett, thanks for having me. Uh, Background, uh, started out in accounting. I have an undergraduate degree degree in accounting. I worked for KPMG for like five years. I'm a CPA, have my MBA in finance, worked for JP Morgan in their private bank for about three to four years. And for 30 plus years, have owned my consulting firm, SHG Planning, and I do sophisticated consulting work in business succession and estate planning, for high net worth ultra high net worth individuals many of them entrepreneurs and also many that have family businesses Uh, wrote my book a couple of years ago on business succession planning which is really written for the business owner it wasn't written for a cpa or an attorney i mean there's some technical matters in it but it's really designed to be very practical and one of the things brett i'll offer to everybody who who listens if they go to stephengoodman.biz, they can download a free copy of my book there so you know this way they could have it and i'm not going to be able to cover anywhere near uh, everything that's encompassed in that book but we'll touch upon some key areas today that's
0: great thank you for that so what, why don't we dive in right i always like to um start with the Reader's Digest or the Executive Summary kind of cutting to the chase, right? Give us a few kind of key tips and let's, uh, let's start with some things that people that have had the most success with succession planning, what are some key tips that you give them up front? And then interrelated, what are some pitfalls that you would suggest? You know, Here are some things you really want to Avoid and be careful of one of the things that uh, I'm aware of, for example, in, in investing in private businesses for approximately 20 years now, is that these things often are a multi-year, multi-step process. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of consideration, a lot of uh, a delicate relationship management, inter-family taxation strategy, a lot of things that go into it. That takes time. So that's certainly one thing that. Uh, I always tell friends of mine, people we're invested with, is you think at least sort of two to three years out when you're wanting to start doing something. Uh, but with that, let's, let's start with some um, great, uh, great wisdom from your 30 years of doing this, Steve.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. It's a good question, Brett. Um, there isn't necessarily a right and wrong way, but certain things that <clears throat> are common for people who do it right, number one, you just hit upon it. It takes time and one of the main, when people say to me sometimes, why do people not do succession planning? Like what, why don't they do it? One of the main reasons people don't do succession planning is it requires an entrepreneur to think about stopping what he's doing today for a moment and think about tomorrow. And entrepreneurs are always putting out fires and it's very difficult for them to give up time on matters that are critical today to plan for the future. So that's one of the main reasons people don't do it. So the ones that that have been successful realize that it is an ongoing process and they have to continually be updating their succession plan and they have to give up some of their current time to plan for things in the future. The second thing I would say that's a common thread for people who've had success is they, ha- they, they have a multidisciplinary team of advisors and they work with those, that team together. A lot of times business owners like to be in control. So they bifurcate their advisors, like they'll talk to their accountant, they'll talk to their attorney, they'll talk to a person like myself. And then they'll say, well, this guy said this, and this guy said this, because they don't really want everybody to team up on them and kind of hit them with things because they yeah. like to be in charge and in control. So the, the, the business owners that have had success are the ones that are very open to having the team work together and keep the process going and always one of the, my key roles is i'm always the one like let's set up the next meeting like here's the agenda let's have a summary for what we discussed at this meeting and let's have an agenda for next meeting because you need that kind of momentum so I would say that's kind of a,
0: find a bit of a quarterback role it sounds like to keep keep the ball moving in the right direction
1: 100 percent. and and one of the other values i bring to the table is that I have a, a multidisciplinary background i 'm not a lawyer, but there 's nothing i don 't understand about estate planning i 've reviewed a million shareholders' agreements trusts you know wills, so I understand everything the lawyer's talking about, everything the accountant's talking about, everything the banker 's talking about, the pension person, the financial advisor and it 's important to have somebody on the team where nothing kind of could slip through the cracks when you 're doing yeah. this because Every advisor on the team is bright and they know their, their their field and they know a lot about the other fields, but there's always some things that slip through the cracks. So I try to be that plug there to keep that going. So the other thing that usually makes or breaks success is the openness the founder has to communication with the family. Because... One of the other main reasons, Brett, people don't do succession planning is, you know, think of it, you're a father, I'm a father. I mean, my kids are not in my business, but you know, they're in, they're in their 30s. I mean, a million times I've had to like say, well, you know, I got you this, I'll get you that, I love you the same, I'll I'll never favor <laughs> one of you over the other one. And then one day a business owner wakes up and he's like 65 years old and he says, my God, I got this really big business. I got one of my kids in the business. I got one or two of them not in the business. Most of my assets are tied up in this business. Like, who am I giving this business to? Am I gonna leave it to all my kids? Am I gonna leave it just to the kids in the business? Which we'll get into that in a minute. And what happens is a lot of founders, generally fathers, because in this generation, it's you know, people in their 60s, 70s, primarily men who ran these businesses. They're they're afraid because they know that if they they open up to this, they know that their daughter-in-law of the married to the son who may not get the business is not going to be happy because they're going to feel like we're not going to get anywhere near the wealth that your brother or sister are going to get. And maybe that's going to jeopardize your relationship with your grandchildren because the daughter-in-law is going to say, I think I can't stand your father and I'm not they're not seeing your grandkids anymore. They're just not, you know, I don't think they're fair. So a lot of, a lot of times the the founder and the, and the, the spouse are like, I'm not going to say anything to anybody because I'm just going to keep going on my merry way. And when I'm dead, they'll find out what I did and now I'm dead. So there's nothing they could do to me anymore. As, <laughs> as strange as that sounds, yeah. that really does happen. And so, so the, the,
0: the so fear in that case is motivating decisions versus strategic thinking and, and sometimes facing, you know, challenges um, in a thoughtful way. And, and I guess that's another thing that um, folks like yourselves can help with, right, where you can play a bit of a counseling type of role, a bit of a relationship type of role. I know in, in working with business owners and managing money, you know, part of it's almost a role in a psychology type of a dynamic. And I presume that's something that you get to pretty deep into the weeds in.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that there are people who that is what they do full time for a living. That's their role. They come into a family, and they're like the family business shrink, you know, rather mm-hmm. than I mean, I guess I could go on to the personal side as well. But it's mostly business related. And but even though I'm not licensed to be a therapist, trust me, I'm a therapist. Because you have to, you have to be a therapist when you deal with these family businesses because it definitely becomes a key part of the process.
0: Yeah, it's real, it's people. And, I, and I'm sure to a lot of people, it's a scary process. And you know, it's one of the things that, that i found in my life, you know, growing up in a small town in, in Western Canada, having a mother die of cancer uh, when I was six years old and she was only 39 at the time it really made me think about the realities of the fragility of life. And we all hope that we live a a very long life. And I know you and I both stay focused on health and fitness a lot as as core ingredients to our life, Um, but things can happen. And with young children that I have, I I think a lot about that. And I think that one of the things I've found in these complex, challenging decisions, which are multi-variable is, It's kind of like calculus, at least for me, I can't just figure it out in my head. I need to map it out, plan it out. But if you actually break things down, dissect them, come up with a plan, you can execute against them piece by piece in a thoughtful, strategic manner, especially if you have time, right? Especially if you're not rushed to make these decisions where you're talking about family relationships and all the other things involved in them. Um, So that's that's some, hopefully, Uh, folks listening and watching this really think a lot about that, that it doesn't have to be a scary process as long as they get in front of it early and have somebody like yourself to help walk them through, guide them, think about all these moving pieces from taxes to personal human dynamics, um, because they're very real. And it's a big, big part of life at the end of the day is the people aspect of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And I think another component, Brett, which leads to success or failure in planning, and it's part of what I try to pride myself on, my job isn't to tell you or any entrepreneur how to do this. My job is to tell you, this is the different ways you can do this. And this is the pluses, advantages, disadvantages of each method that you take. And then for you to decide, and I'll tell you a quick funny story, you'll appreciate it. I used to do a lot of seminars, and I generally, when you do a seminar, the table has four couples. They don't know each other. They're pretty reserved, quiet. Somebody will stick their business card like in my pocket, you know, give me a call. And they eat dinner and they kind of just do their own thing. But one time I had this table, they didn't know each other, but they were just like fun people. So yeah. I like sit down and they grab it as they sit down. And the first guy looks at me and he goes, this was a great seminar, but I know the right thing to do. You sell the business. This way you sell the business. Everybody gets the same amount of money. There's no fighting. There's no worried about who you give what to. The second person goes, you're out of your mind. You spent all this time building this business. You don't do that. You, 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 you leave the business equally to all of your kids. Then the third guy goes, you're out of your mind. I would never do that. I'm gonna give the business to the kid who's in the business and I'm gonna to try to figure out what to give my other kids. And then the fourth one goes, that's impossible. The way you do this is you give the business to all your kids, but you give the kid who's involved voting stock and you give them control on the board and so on. And then they looked at me and they go like this, who's right? <laughs> and wow. I said like, you're all right. There's no right, there's no wrong when it comes to this. The idea is to understand which choices you could make. And then once you make one, I'm going to reinforce to you what the pros and cons of that choice are to make sure you know it. Once I do that with you, you're smart, you're an entrepreneur, you have to make business decisions. You've now made a decision, but at least you knew what other choices you have. A lot of times people don't know all the choices and they make a choice not realizing there may be a better one.
0: Yeah, there's always trade-offs, right? That's the reality of life. It's one of the reasons is, as you well know, with Star Mountain, we built the business. We really pride ourselves on having the flexibility to create flexible capital solutions. Some business owners want to borrow money. Some business owners want to borrow money and um, sell a minority stake to their business. Some business owners want to sell 100% of their business. Some business owners want to sell 51%. And often it will come into different estate succession planning type of things and saying, okay, well, we want an institutional partner in the business now helping guide it and family can have some level of involvement or not some level and all those different complexities require different type of capital solutions that can can interplay with those business owners as well. That's really helpful. Let's talk for a second on the family aspect and how important that is. Uh, I presume it's pretty easy for people to understand it's complicated. There's no right answer. It depends a lot on what you want to achieve, what your kids want. And and sometimes in life, as you kind of phase things forward, what we often like to do and how I work with, with my own family is sort of throw ideas out there casually, and then maybe I want to lead them down a certain direction, but see if they actually take it and see if they're enthusiastic about the path ahead. And if not, not have gone so far to where I'm not willing to retract and say, okay, well, it seems like I'm getting a lot of resistance in this idea. Let's kind of try door two a little bit. Um, and so having time for business owners is just so critical to get in front of these things. And I know I've spoken to business owners that are in their mid late sixties and say, I'm in great health, no rush to do things. Well, that's great. And that's the time to do something about it. You exactly. don't want to do something about it when you say, I just got in an accident or i have an illness or 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 and i hope today's um pandemic uh makes people realize that it, it's a sad thing going on but diseases illnesses viruses and so forth accidents um, are here to stay and they can happen they will happen we hope they don't happen to uh or that they happen to as few people as possible but it's a reality of life and so the Earlier you can get in front of things the more you can really affect change and protect your family. Let's switch gears financially for Sex Steve. Um, everybody loves to make more money to protect capital. Um, give us a few thoughts on how big of an impact can it have if you do things the right way from taxation, estate, financial planning versus you know, knee jerk reaction, I'm going to sell my company because I'm sick, because my kids are fighting because I've got a great offer. What's the difference financially, roughly, um, on a percentage basis, perhaps, and what a business owner can keep after taxes between doing it the optimal way and doing it in a last minute reactive way?
1: Yeah, I, you know, obviously, there's the intangible costs, which are more the family issue and relationship side that hard to, Put a price tag on that. It's mm-hmm. it's not measurable. Um, on the on the financial side, I mean, it could be enormous because um, you know. Look, estate taxes, which constantly change, and and let's be real. If Joe Biden becomes president and the Senate and the House are controlled by the Democrats there's gonna be major changes in the estate world. I mean, today you have a federal exemption between a husband and a wife of over $22 million, which you know, certainly for the kind of clients that Star Mountain deals with, many of those businesses alone could be worth more than that. But 22 million is still a fairly sizable estate. So you've eliminated federally a lot of people from federal tax, obviously state by state. I'm in New York, there are state inheritance taxes in New York, certain states have it, certain states don't. But if Biden comes in, here's all the things that could change. You know, number one, the exemption is probably going to go from 22 million to like 10 million combined husband and wife or less. The rate could go from 40 percent back up to 50, 55 percent. There's also talk, there's a thing called the step up in basis. So when you die, whatever, let's say you have a business that you paid you know, a dollar for and it's worth a hundred million dollars, when you die, your basis becomes a hundred million. So if you sell it, you don't pay capital gains tax on it. It's part of your estate.
0: Okay. There's,
1: a, there's a possibility that either there will be no step up or you will actually be taxed, income taxed, capital gain probably on that appreciation at death that, that has never happened before. So you could get hit with capital gains tax and an estate tax. And we don't know where this is going, but let's face it with what the government has just expended to keep us safe as best they can, trillions of dollars, that money's coming from somewhere. And if the Democrats take control, you know, they're always going to try to get as much as they can from the ultra wealthy. So clearly now is clearly a time to consider planning because at the moment, we don't know what will happen. But right Mm -hmm. now, if you had to bet your bottom dollar, it looks like Biden's going to win today. It may not be that we hit three months. And the Democrats could control the Senate as well. So there will be major, major changes. So planning and not planning, A, has a lot to do with what's the tax environment currently. Today, there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, you could give away... $20 Twenty million dollars, which really could be thirty million with discounts, and you could do a, we don't have the time to get in depth, but you could do sales to defective trust of selling the business to generation skipping trust to your kids, and you could end up selling you know two three hundred million dollar business with discounts and get tremendous assets out of your estate and and that money will grow now potentially for generation and generation if you don't do planning and you hold on to these assets then what ends up happening is it causes major taxes. And I'll give a, a very good yeah, example. And maybe,
0: and maybe just one, one thing to interject with Stevie, you bring up just another good point for people to recognize that we live in a world where things aren't fixed, things are continuing to move. So in, in no way is this commentary around views on who people like from a political perspective. It's just a reality that changes in politics can result in changes in taxes, right? irrespective of party and so on and so forth. So I think that's good for people to just remember that whenever you have an election time coming up, that's opportunity for more change. So if you happen to think things are good now, you know, people should think about that and also understand that as the US has more debt and states have more debt, that that can also change different tax considerations. And sometimes these tax considerations can be extremely substantial, right? You're talking about very, very big numbers that might 20, 30, 40% of people's capital, um, depending on your amount, so on and so forth, but they're, they're very big numbers. And so probably the earlier people start to form a game plan that works for their family, that works for their business, They can create that within the current tax regime, and then they can explore and think about things. So if people are thinking or worried the tax regimes might change, they might say, well, I should accelerate or decelerate different decisions that they're looking to make. And that just furthers the point that planning is critical. You should always have a plan for succession in case something happens to you. Um, You want to think about it strategically because taxes can have a big impact, but thanks. I just wanted to make sure people didn't think that this was a, a political statement one way or another, just the the reality of whenever there is, um, you know, an election coming up, it's an opportunity for change. Um, Yeah,
1: and and just to add to that, I mean, I'll give you an example that I've dealt with of lack of planning and what could happen is, this is years ago, I met with an individual, big building, very successful business, sitting behind a big desk, I didn't know all the facts, sat down with him, let's say it was you, Brett, and I said, you know one of my first questions Brett what percentage of the company do you own and he says none so I kind of knew where this was going but I kept going <laughs> I said well who owns the business and he goes my mom and I go I, again I knew what happened but I asked him I said so what happened he goes well my dad died fairly early my dad was in his early 60s I was running the I wasn't running the business I was in the business I was like 35 years old at the time my dad didn't do any planning He died. He left the business to my mom. So I said, just out of curiosity, what size business was it when dad died? He goes, we were doing only about 5 million in revenue. And I go, well, what are you doing now? He goes like 50. So I said, okay. So I said, you do realize that when mom dies, this business is going to be in mom's estate. And even though you're the one singly responsible for growing this from a five million dollar business to a 50 million dollar business there's going to be estate taxes still owed on this 50 million dollar business when your mom dies and i say to him just out of curiosity this is where it gets into the family things just out of curiosity you you have two siblings you told me neither are in the business of the three siblings who gets along best with mom and who Mm -hmm. gets along worst with mom and he says well my sister gets along best with mom because she spends the most time with my mom. She takes care of mom. She, her kids, you know, my mom's grandkids, she's closest with them. And I get along the worst with mom because I'm always fighting with her because she wants to pull money out of the business and I'm trying to grow the business. And she still thinks I'm her little son who doesn't know what he's doing, even though I grew this business. So I said, you you do realize like, since mom hasn't really told you any of her plan, You don't even know if you're going to be partners with your brother and sister who have nothing to do with this business when mom dies, or maybe she'll just leave it to your sister, and you'll get none of it. And you spent your whole adult life building this business that you may not even inherit. And And like sweat
0: beads start to come uh, down. uh, This guy was (laughs) like,
1: "Why did I have to meet this guy?" Like you know, I mean, stuff he knew, but like I kind of hit him over the head with a sledgehammer. So like that's that's an example of not doing planning. And what could happen, because what I emphasize there- Ignorance isn't
0: bliss, right? Ignorance is risk.
1: That's right, and what I emphasize, which which is true, and again, I don't wanna be chauvinistic, but again, most of the business owners in their 60s and 70s principally are men, that a mother and a, and a wife is not the same thing as a widow. And a lot of times when the business owner passes away, assuming the wife really wasn't involved in the business and really left the financial matters to the husband, the widow acts very differently, very concerned and scared about things. And a lot of times makes judgments that she wouldn't have made as a mother when she's a widow. And in this example, this was a case where mom never wanted to give up control of the business, wanted to keep it. Even though the son built this major business, she Mm -hmm. still didn't trust them totally. That's kind of examples of what happens when you don't do planning.
0: Yeah, I'm sure as as everybody listens and watches this, I presume people can think about different relationships and the challenges with them, and and they get very real when you get a lot of dollars involved, and in it it can destroy families, it can destroy relationships in ways that a lot of people, you know, if they thought through it, could probably comprehend, but want to hope that it wouldn't be an issue. So, um, you know, thanks for for you know bringing that up, Steve. I think it's uh, you know, critical for people that way to you know to think through that and, and have. Financial partners, if if, uh, other folks have ideas or questions or want to engage, we'll have Steve's contact information here so you can reach out to him. And people want to understand from a financial perspective for their businesses, there are also a lot of different strategies uh, that Star Mountain has very deep expertise in, such as employee stock option plans, which are called ESOPs, where you can help employees buy out legacy shareholders, including family and other folks, and can do it in a tax-advantaged way where they can repay the debt in a pre-tax versus after-tax dollar basis, which is, of course, a huge difference. And the sellers, if they roll their money into the right type of businesses, can defer taxes. There's There's a tremendous number of benefits that owners can have, employees can have, as well as sellers. Again, if people think about it and plan through it and find out what all their options are, what are the type of estate planning, tax planning, succession planning, capital structures, overlaid with family, business, growth opportunities and so forth. And so uh, thank you, Steve, uh, you know, for all these great things today. Any any other kind of parting tips that you want to uh, leave people with to uh, pique additional uh, interest or curiosity?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there there are so many issues that come into play. You know, in my book, a lot of these things are addressed, we won't have time to cover it, but just some of the family situations I go through in the book are kids in the business, kids not in the business, what are some of the problems that come, come about in those scenarios? Kids, multiple kids in the business, two kids in the business, what issues come into play? Three kids into the business, what issues come into play? Situations where you could have a second spouse, you know, husband, wife either passes away or they get divorced and now there's a second spouse where there may not be a prenup, you know, what are some of the issues that come into play? You know, two partners in a business, what are issues? One partner has a kid in the business, the other partner doesn't have a kid in the business. All of these different scenarios, which we could spend, you know, another hour easily on. Yeah. all really of these things, deal. Yeah, I, I cover a, every one of those is in the book. So if you go through the book, you can look for what fits your profile and say, oh, wow, I didn't really think about some of these things. All of that is covered in the book.
0: It's actually, it's a good point for due diligence as well. I know there's a lot of business owners that uh, watch our content as well as investors. And one of the things I mean, people fail to do when investing in private businesses in particular is understand what those succession plans might look like. What happens if somebody happens to the CEO, somebody might say, well, there's a great president that can step into place. Uh, Okay, but does the CEO's wife, um, second wife, mistress, kids, who ends up running the business? Who owns the business? Who has economic alignment? who has voting control, and it surprises me that people don't get into that diligence. And one of the reasons is, you know, it's it it's, it's intrusive, I guess one might say, that you're really asking difficult questions. But these difficult questions matter because they are things that will occur at some point. You hope that they don't occur during the life of your investment, perhaps. But as an institutional investor, you know, one of the things that we focus a lot on is managing and mitigating tail risks. How do you how do you mitigate challenges and certainly for the people that own their businesses and have worked hard in building them and hopefully worked uh, very hard in building their families as well should have a real large vested interest in taking this seriously, taking it seriously for their shareholders, for their family, for themselves personally, things they may want to do in their community. Now more than ever, there's a lot of needs for all of us to engage. You know, we have the Star Mountain Charitable Foundation as our 501C3, doing a lot of things to help support our community. And I know we can all do things. And I know, Steve, you do. And, and um, you know, thinking of how to create trust, scholarships, a lot of things that people can do, which can actually be exciting. It can be exciting for another phase of life to now say, how can people, maximize their civic impact and their societal impact Um, and I know those are things that you also help advise on. So thank you Steve uh, very much. I appreciate you joining us today Uh, and thank you for providing um, a a free copy of your book for people as well where they can go through a a multi-variable set of different ways that life can play out as their families are evolving and uh, I'm sure people will find find it a fun read and hopefully um, inspire a lot of thoughts to do better by their businesses, their families, and their shareholders by being educated, by being informed, and having uh, sophisticated, experienced advisors like yourself involved. So thank you again for your time, Steve. We really appreciate it.
1: Brent, thank you very much. This was great.